how are you guys? How, how are you feeling? Oh, man. But I was, I was just uh, taking a little nap, and all of a sudden I hear a little knocking at my door. And uh, it's a, hey, hey, you got to wake up. It's time to talk about the murder. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Gladys. Oh, man. Ma, shut up. Gladys <laughs> just, uh, she, now she's suddenly. She's a fan. Yeah, she wants you to record yeah. the, the podcast. Your friends are waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> your murder friends are waiting for you. <laughs> You're going to be late to your murder friends party. <laughs> no more napping. Time to talk about the killings. <laughs> Awake. Awaken my, my beautiful son. <laughs> Nothing like having a supportive mother. This <laughs> is wonderful. You're listening to The Florida Man Murders, a true crime comedy podcast about murder, madness, mayhem, and other shady shit that goes down in the Sunshine State. Each week, your hosts, Chris, Roger and Siege take you on a dark, twisted journey through the bowels of the most wretched fiends and nefarious events throughout the history of Florida, and then make inane, quote-unquote, funny observations about it all, like the half-soused nitwits that they are. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the crazy, if you dare. What's on the docket tonight, Chris? Well, murder. Murder! Murder's on the docket. That's a new one. All right, off we go. Let's go. And away we go. (laughs) Dateline, Miami, Florida, August 20th, 1982. All right. All right, we ready? Yeah. Sorry, what year was it? (laughs) <laughs> 1982 uh, Dateline Miami, Florida August 20th, 1982 Okay All right. Four years old I was a young boy of three A man of three mm. This is going to be something we remember Carl Robert Brown Was born on November 26, 1930 In Chicago, Illinois In 1950, Carl Robert Brown enlisted in the U.S. Navy and was honorably discharged in 1954. People who knew Carl said he was always very militant in the way he carried himself. Short hair, clean-shaven, clothes neatly pressed and ironed, clean shoes, made his bed with, like, perfect four corners. He had a great posture, that kind of thing. (laughs) Very meticulous guy. Mm, Clean. Carl Robert Brown was an avid cyclist and would ride his bike pretty much everywhere he needed to go. Work, grocery shopping, everything. Big big cyclist. I always assumed all those cyclists on the roads in Florida were murderers. (laughs) (laughs) So, in 1955, Carl moved from Chicago to Miami... And he attended the University of Miami and studied education. (laughs) 
He would ride uh, to and from classes on his bike. He graduated from the U. To Miami from Chicago on the bike? Did he bike all the way down that too? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe he just packed his shit and rode his bike down. But he for sure rode his bike to and from classes. Serious enthusiast. This guy loved loved biking. Um, Hey, you know, it's it's a good thing to do. It's green. It's very green. Yeah, it's green. It's healthy. Uh, Mm -hmm. Nothing bad about it yet. He graduated from the U in 1957. After, after having earned a master's degree in education. Um, after that, he got a job as a realtor for Keys Realty. Oh, my God. Again, Brings he would ride his bike to and from work. Uh, and maybe probably he was showing <laughs> up to the show up a house, show houses on a bike. Um, a little sweaty he'd show <laughs> up, I, no doubt, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, he's Miami. You know, I'm sure he's not used to the humidity and he shows up and. Like sweat stains in his jacket and tie and shit. Or he just shows up in that fucking bike outfit. Or yeah. With the big old US mail insignia the across helmet, the chest. The big oversized helmet. Yeah. Aerodynamic. <laughs> Tight shorts. Takes a, takes a shower at the house that he's showing. <laughs> make yourselves at home. I'll be right with you. Get yeah. around. <laughs> just make, just enjoy the cookies. <laughs> Some water's out there. <laughs> the people who walk in the front door to see the house are just like, "What? Why are you wet?" I was telling you, I rode my bike. <laughs> he comes out in a towel. <laughs> um, yeah. So in 1962, he landed a job as a history teacher at Hialeah Junior High School. Huh. He moonlighted at. He also moonlighted at Miami Dade Community College as an accounting teacher, and by all accounts, Carl was a good and competent teacher. Now, Carl Brown had been married since being discharged from the Navy, but his wife passed away soon after. He got married again, not long after that, but that marriage did not last. So then, when Carl moved to Miami, he met a woman named Sylvia. Loinas. 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 <laughs> Sylvia Loinas. Can you spell that? It's L O Y N A Z. Can you use it in a sentence? He, he met and married Sylvia Loinas, is the sentence. <laughs> it sounded like Lonads, he said. Yeah, Lonads. He met so and married a lady named Sylvia. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so they were married and they had a son. But this marriage with Sylvia was also a rocky one. Granted, she didn't die, but it was still a pretty shitty marriage. Uh, Carl, this guy's over two. But <laughs> did you die? The first wife died. What? Curious. Um, no, no, I couldn't find how she died or what happened to her. She was, she just died. Uh, Murder. And then he married another lady that didn't last. And then he came to Miami and he married Sylvia Lonads. Um, Lonas. So, yeah, so that marriage was pretty rocky. Uh, Carl was prone to having severe mood swings and was known to have a very short temper. So after a few years of this kind of shit, it finally wore Sylvia down. And she eventually left him and moved out. But she did agree to allow their son to live with her and him, you know, half the week, uh, share custody. 
but she up and left his ass. So, not long after their divorce, Carl seemed to just stop caring about his appearance, and, according to Sylvia, began to often praise Fidel Castro and Russia. Oh, good. <laughs> following this divorce, Carl left town to sort of kind of get away from it all. But when he returned, <laughs> his neighbor said that he that the trip didn't help. <laughs> um, one neighbor said, quote, he came back worse than when he left. When he came back, he said, <laughs> when he came back, he, he said that nothing in the United States stood for anything. Hmm. Uh, another neighbor described the 51-year-old 50, Carl as, quote, he looked like he was 80 years old. So, not in good shape. Um, yet another neighbor of Carl's once caught him in her yard, picking grapefruits from her mother's tree in the middle of the night, wearing only his underwear. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's doing pretty bad. <laughs> uh, Somebody want to check on him, or are we just going to like... Yeah, he's... <laughs> We just gotta He's leave him alone. Like, oh, underwear guys and the grapefruit. The, guy in the, in the underwear is in the yard again. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and she let it go. She she was like, "What can you do?" And she said, "Quote: I sincerely felt sorry for him. It was the desperation from his loneliness that had him acting this way." Man, where did he go? <laughs> I really feel Don't like, go like there. one of the <laughs> wherever you... one of the threads <laughs> through all of these stories that we've had so far. I feel like is the well, what are you gonna do? Is the amount that anybody would like check in on anything? <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> oh, our daughter died, so we started dressing our son up like the daughter. Well, what are you going to do? Right. The guy in his underwear is picking grapefruit in my yard in the middle of the night. Nah, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? Hope he's okay. Go figure uh, it out. Carl soon began making a habit of wandering into the neighbor's yards in his underwear in the wee hours of the morning and then waking them up by yelling, United States! <laughs> <laughs> Was it the World Cup? <laughs> <laughs> Um, a few times, his neighbors heard gunshots coming from his house in the middle of the night. Carl is a wild boy, man. He is, <laughs> he is a wild, wild boy right there. He's just divorced. Oof. Fine. He's lonely. <laughs> it's just fine. It's, what are you going to do? It just keeps escalating. They're like, eh. This guy's ticking off all the crazy boxes in your underwear, picking grapes, shooting guns, yeah. yelling things. Uh, United States! Go. Ross Perot. He wants... United States, can I finish? Can I finish? United States, can I finish? Um... <laughs> So he once shot at a neighbor's house with a pellet gun breaking at least one window. Again, nobody said anything. Nobody called the cops. These people have incredible tolerance. <laughs> super tolerant. Like, I want to live in this fucking neighborhood. It's in Hialeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess. Dude. <laughs> you would think Hialeah would be. Hialeah, yeah. man. Pretty alarmist. <laughs> the but, city of right. progress. Carl owned an apartment building in Hialeah. 
<clears throat> and once he raised the rent on his tenants around Christmas time without warning. He would then. So it's just like today. <clears throat> yes. Landlords yeah. have always sucked. He would uh, then later send them a, an apology letter uh, apologizing for the rent increase, but he would never explain why he did it. Um, Sorry I did that. Still, yes, still exactly. Sorry I did that. Still doing the first. Signed, Carl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so back at work, uh, instead of teaching his students, Carl would start rambling about his personal problems to them. He would go off on tangents on topics unrelated to his curriculum and conducted confusing conversations where he strung together completely unrelated things. Um, sometimes his students would take advantage of this by asking him a question that resulted in him talking for the rest of the period and not teaching anything. Uh, other times, some students began to refuse to sit in Mr. Uh, Brown's class because his incoherent rambling would go on and on. One day, uh, Carl sent three girls to detention because they refused to sit in his class. When asked why they wouldn't sit down, the girls said they were, quote, sick and tired of hearing Mr. Brown talk. <laughs> um, one time, Carl wrote a letter to the school principal where he addressed the misbehavior of certain students. The letter was an incoherent mess. Would you like to hear the letter? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, definitely. definitely. <laughs> and I'm really hoping you have an w- excellent voice for him. I'm picturing something. Oh, shit. Now you put me on the spot. I didn't think about it. If there's <laughs> anything that I'm ever here for, it's for the incoherent letters being read by Chris. Oh, man. I didn't even think about this one. He does, I don't know. All right. All right. Here we go. Just, just go for it. Yeah. <laughs> for the enlightenment of the assistant principals. That's the, that's, the, that's the first sentence. For the enlightenment of the assistant principals. Okay. I don't read the students their rights as infants. You all do. If you ever study business law until a child is 18, the child can do just about anything the child desires to do and get away with the abuse. Any adult interfering is accountable as an adult. But with infancy laws, the child is a child. That's the letter. <laughs> okay. This is the letter he sent to his boss. He, there was like four different things happening there at the same time. <laughs> There's a lot happening. It's nice and understated. <clears throat> Meanwhile, uh, while hanging out at the teacher's lounge with his fellow teachers, Carl would often burst into racist tirades about blacks and Jews to his coworkers. His remarks would be threatening towards minorities. His fellow Hylia junior high teacher, Arlene Rothenberg, said, quote, Carl was very prejudiced, anti-black, anti-Semitic, anti-everything. I always avoided him. Except for America. United States. Another Hylia junior high teacher, Paul Burrard, said, quote, Carl seemed to be quite repressed. He seemed to have a lot of anger pent up inside. He was angry with the entire world. After his superiors heard about the racist rants, they transferred Carl to Drew Middle High School, which was, in 1981, a predominantly black school. Sounds perfect. <laughs> That's yeah. what you do with the racist crazy guy. Send him to the black school. Spectacular. It didn't take long for Carl to get into some shit with students at Drew Middle. 
On December 3rd, 1981, Carl got into an argument with two of his students. The argument was about sex. The argument got so heated, the two students allegedly threw books across the room. <laughs> allegedly. Uh, Carl then began to chase the students with a stapler while he described his sexual behavior with a girlfriend. Oh, my God. Yeah. Guy is so Sounds like the kids were not in the wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, so he's chasing them around with a stapler. And he's describing sexual acts with a former girlfriend. Complete maniac. <laughs> and then I went down on her, and then I started sucking her left titty, and then I come back here. <laughs> um, <laughs> when confronted by his bosses about that incident, Carl showed no regret, remorse, or remorse over what had happened. He told the principal, quote, I'm a man. And that any man would have reacted the same way. <laughs> okay. United States. Um, United States. <laughs> he, is, he really does have a Ross Perot kind of cadence to him. Like, he just spouts <laughs> phrases. It's just phraseology. I'm a man. Like, Word, words over here. Words over there. <laughs> uh, Drew Middle School Board's Director of Personal Control... <laughs> Which is wow. crazy title. Uh, a person named Pat Gray described the whole incident as a, quote, classroom incident wherein Mr. Brown demonstrated a significant lack of adult judgment, an overtone of sexual fixation, and definitive aggression towards students. And he was promoted to president of the NAACP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in a separate report, the school principal, Octavio Vicendo, wrote, quote, I found Mr. Brown to be incoherent and unable to grasp the severity of the situation at hand. I also fear for the safety of the students, since during my conference with Mr. Brown, demonstrated no regret for his actions. There's no way you said that like that. Octav Octavio. Yeah. <laughs> I found Mr. Yeah. Brown to be incoherent. I also fear for the safety of the student. And I'm losing the voice. I'm turning it to Rick or Carl. <laughs> it's a little loose right now. Mr. Brown. Mira, se llama Mr. Brown, como, la, como Mr. Caca, ¿tú sabes? Como, como Mr. Mierda. Tú sabes, oh, él, él no sabe que es Mierda. So yo, I call oh, him Mr. God. Mierda. And he's like, hello, and I go, hello, hello Mr. Mr. Mierda. He's like, oh, hello, hello. That's a perfect way <laughs> that Cuban people do dumb fucking jokes right there. I'm making just the easiest dumb joke ever. It just sticks it's In another report, <laughs> Vicendo, once again, wrote, quote, I found Mr. Brown to be a negative force. Today I did a follow-up observation of Mr. Brown's second period class, and I continue to be alarmed about the potential for disaster in that class. <laughs> As you can see 
from today's observation, there is absolutely no discipline or control in that class. And I am concerned for the safety of the students and also for Mr. Mirda. <laughs> Mr. Brown's class was in total, complete chaos. Total complete. And students talking constantly, wandering about at will, and leaving without permission. Hope everyone caught that. Yeah, I got... I gotta say, I gotta say, once again, all jokes aside, gotta give it up for Dade County Schools, man. Hi, <laughs> Leo, man. That's where you want to send your children. That's right. <laughs> um, so in reaction to Viciendo's report, Carl decided to write his own report on a sheet of paper. <laughs> That's right. Just grab a sheet. And- in his one-page report, Carl wrote, Principal Viciendo should seek the help of the school board's employee assistant program. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I just wrote that the, the, the principal should seek principal help. Principal Octavio can kiss my ass, <laughs> you know so what Yeah. What a grudge match going on between these two, huh? <laughs> At least they didn't write any shit on the wall, is what I thought it would have done. <laughs> yeah, I know, oh, right? That guy, that kook. What happens uh, when you need Mr. Mierda? You want to see Mr. Mierda? <laughs> I'll show you right now. I got a bucket full of shit right now, and I'm going to use plenty of ink over here, Octavio. <laughs> if that is your name. Um, so in March of 1982, in order to keep his job, Carl agreed with uh, Vicente that he should meet with a psychiatrist. You want to give his job? You got to meet with a doctor, okay? Otherwise, I gotta get, I gotta find you. I gotta find you. <clears throat> so, the school actually paid for and sent him uh, to meet with a psychiatrist named Doctor Robert A. Wanger. After the session, the doctor wrote a report about Carl. "Quote: Mr. Brown is suffering from rather severe anxiety associated with some paranoid, grandiose ideas." And he demonstrates a probable thinking disorder. <laughs> that what we call it? Uh, I think it's a thinking disorder. That's all I got. Sorry. This guy's fucking nuts. Just what, do you, what am I going to do? <laughs> it's quick. We're beating around the bush. All right, doctor. Um. <laughs> got, he's got a thinking problem. Dr. Winger went on to write, quote, although he may appear to be rather unusual and and disorganized to the people around him, Mr. Brown does not represent a danger to either. I I disagree so far, but (laughs) what do I know? Yeah. Uh... After meeting with Dr. Wenger, Carl wrote him a letter saying <laughs> <laughs> one page in shit. But the letter was actually cordial. He wrote, I wish to thank you for the very interesting and informative meeting I experienced yesterday. Please stress blood analysis, heart cartograph, and urine, plus the other mental health figures on your program. Uh, sir, we didn't require those. <laughs> <laughs> Take my piss and run it through your uh, computers. And my blood. Here you go. Here's a cup of my pee. Oh, I just, 
I just donated them because I thought I, I left it in the bathroom of the office. I hope it's in a cup. <laughs> They're in your secretary's top drawer. <laughs> I left it in an envelope. But the next day, when asked about how his meeting with Dr. Wanger went, Carl told his bosses, quote, Wanger wants to study me. That's all. I can cure Dr. Wanger. I will treat him. I will change his seeds. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I can change his seeds. I'll change what? his seeds. You think you're going to treat me? I'm going to treat you. It's not even a phrase people use. <laughs> like, I kind of get what he's getting at, but, like, I don't want to, really. <laughs> so after he said this they fired him he, they relieved him from his teaching duties uh, the next day an unemployed Carl placed a cassette tape into a recorder pressed record and began addressing himself as Logos <laughs> this is cool Apparently, Logos was a mythical figure Carl considered to be the controlling principle of the universe. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Now I understand. Yeah. Look at me, I'm Logos. <laughs> um, on the tape, Carl said, quote, This is the Logos speaking. God, through me, is responsible <laughs> for the good and the bad sounds in your head. Now I shall say a few good words in your head before I return you to the bad sounds in your head. The Logos is the spark of God, the most logical. I am indestructible on Earth. Fuck. Mm -hmm. What a guy. Yeah, it's, everything's fine. Five months later, on August 18th, 1982... Carl made a call to Drew Middle School and asked Principal Viciendo if he could return to work. Viciendo said he would defer to whatever Dr. Wenger would recommend. So if Wenger says okay, then it's okay. That's his way of not getting into an <laughs> argument right <laughs> then and there yeah. by just being like, no, <laughs> he's a like, fucking idiot. Uh, what did the doctor say? I guess it's not really up to me. It's out of my hands. <laughs> Am I speaking to Logos yeah. or? <laughs> <laughs> or is this Mr. Shit? Uh, so Wenger, uh, uh, he talked to Wenger. Wenger declined Carl's request to be reinstated. So denied. Aww. This might, uh, and this might, of course, possibly stem from Carl's refusal to keep seeing Wenger or maybe for refusing uh, to take any meds, although that's never been 100% confirmed. So many people think that Vicendo said you can come back if you see this guy regularly and Carl refused. And so that's why he wasn't allowed back to work. So Carl was riding his bike around a lot now that he had all his free time. Oh, yeah, the bike. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he had his bike souped up by paying a welder to attach a lawnmower motor. On the bike. Oh my god. So he could ride around like a moped. One of those yeah. dorks. Proto e-bike. Yeah, proto e-bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bird. Um, but the uh, the motor apparently kept coming loose. So 
On August 19th, Carl rode his bike to a strip mall off North River Drive near Miami Highlight, which is not far from uh, Miami International Airport. I've been there. Yeah. Many times. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Right by the pussycat. Yes, sir. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so he went to this, to this strip mall and to visit the welder that he had talked to about this. And the welder said he could, you know, do it, but it would cost him 20 bucks. Uh, the welder, the welding shop was called Bob Moore's Welding and Machine Shop. So Carl went inside and began to complain about the apparent shoddy work and demanded that the welder redo it. The welder refused to redo the job because, A, it was stupid to begin with. <laughs> Speaking for the welder here. Uh. <laughs> exactly. This is me saying it's not, it's off the record. It's not a quote. It's me saying. It's I'm just editorializing stupid. here. Exactly. <laughs> what do you mean this lawnmower should go right on this goddamn thing? It's fucking. It should work perfectly. Um, but, and also, uh, Carl had insisted, mainly the guy turned down because Carl insisted on paying for, for the whole thing with a traveler's check, which the shop would not accept, did not accept cash only. Do they even still have those? I think they actually do. Yeah, I think so. I may be wrong, but I think they actually do. Um, yeah, so they're like, do we do not take traveler's checks? And this sent Carl, you know, off the rails, just like got really pissed off about this one thing. So he started yelling at everyone in the shop. Uh, and angry that the welder wouldn't accept his payments through traveler's checks, Carl announced that he was going to come back, and when he did, he was going to kill everyone there. He got back on his shitty bike and pedaled back home. <laughs> because he didn't have a motor. Correct. That's right. <clears throat> uh, so later that night, while hanging out with his 10-year-old son in their pool, <clears throat> Carl told the boy that he was very angry and was planning on killing some people. Now, probably because yeah, a little, little pre bedtime, <laughs> yeah. look up at the stars together, <laughs> hold hands, you hold yeah. hands. You know what, son? I'm very angry, and I'm gonna kill a lot of people. Remember my lawnmower bicycle <laughs> idea? These fools don't appreciate genius. You ever heard of a traveler's check, son? <laughs> I want to go to bed. Um. <laughs> So, yeah, they're hanging out in the pool, and he's like, I'm really mad. I'm going to kill some people. Uh, and probably because he was, you know, confused as a 10-year-old, or probably because his dad was prone to outbursts and saying crazy shit like this all the time, the kid just kind of ignored Carl's ramblings. Dad's just crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. You're 10. I'm 10 over here. What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to do this information. <laughs> what do I do with it? <laughs> I can barely uh, brush my teeth. What am I supposed to do? Yeah, yeah. I just learned. <laughs> I just learned long division. What do you want me to do with this? <laughs> Never trouble with fractions. What the fuck is this? a half and a fourth? I don't know what that is. What am I supposed to do? My dick gets hot for fucking no reason. No reason. <laughs> I wake up. Boom. I got a log in my pants. What am I supposed to do? I'm ten. I'm fucking ten. Just walk it off. That's it. Just banging it up against the refrigerator door. I don't know. <laughs> um, 
Yes. <laughs> yes is the answer. <clears throat> so the next day, on August 20th, Carl got up out of bed bright and early, and he went to the gun store a few blocks from his house. The gun store. That was the name of the store. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, he was able to purchase as many guns as he wanted. The gun the store was called Garcia Gun Center. So highly. Garcia Gun Center. Hey, buy one, get one free. <laughs> you buy one, you get two free. Okay? <laughs> it's America. It's America. Uh, and there he purchased two shotguns, a semi-automatic rifle, and some ammunition. <laughs> Carl then went back home and woke up his son. Get up, boy. That's the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he told his son, when, he, when his son woke up, he told him that he was going out to kill a lot of people and invited the boy to come with him. <laughs> do you want Wow. Father-son time. This guy was a teacher and a parent. Mm -hmm. he, he was, really, really proud of him for all, like man. sticking through, sticking through raising his, this is, raising his boy. His real divorced dad energy right here. <laughs> yeah, um, he will come shoot some people. <laughs> so he uh, he said, you know, he invited the kid to come with him, and he also said that his final destination of the killing spree would be Hialeah Junior High. Um, uh, oof. Carl then handed his son one of the shotguns and said, let's go kill some people. It's a poor kid, man. It's like, I just want to play uh, ColecoVision. <laughs> fucking <laughs> kill people. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, the boy, though, tossed the gun and ran out of the house. <laughs> Good kid. Damn. Poor kid, man. Sheesh. Yeah. Uh, so Carl then picked up the gun, he packed up the other guns, he put on a Panama hat, straw hat. Which was the, very... the fashion of the time. <laughs> it was the style of the time. Fucking Panama Jack with semi-automatics. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, he put on the hat, grabbed guns, and left the house. Uh, the boy then ran to a neighbor's house, and he called his mom. She was at work. And he told her what his dad had said and what his dad had done. Sylvia told the boy to stay there, and she hung up. And then she immediately called the police. According to Sylvia, the cops kept referring her from number to number so many times, she eventually gave up, hung up, and rushed home to make sure her son was okay. Um, is, that, is that because of the... the is that because of the Hialeah streets over there where half of it's county and half of it's city? city. Like, but you're you're in the city side, but you're calling about the county side, but he ran over into the city side, so you need to call city, but he's over in county and like we can't we can't cross if it I think he's on west seventh, but northwest one <laughs> Yeah. He's also Southwest yeah. 6th. <laughs> this is Miami Dade PD. You want Hialeah PD? Let me transfer you. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, and she said it happened so many times. She's like, I can't fucking keep waiting. I got to go make sure my kid's okay. Dude, so that shit hasn't yeah. changed. Wow. So Carl arrived at the welder shop on his bike just before 11 a.m. 
According to reports, he had an Ithaca 37 shotgun slung over his shoulder. The Ithaca 37 is a mass-produced pump-action shotgun made exclusively for civilian use. Street justice! Carl entered the shop through a side door and began, began telling people that he would send everybody to Germany. This guy's just the first thing he said as he walked in. <laughs> it's like, oh, scared. I don't know, Somebody in with a gun. I'm going to send you to Germany. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. This guy has a really <laughs> aggressive travel agent in our office right now. He's got a gun. He's got a bad... <laughs> listen, listen. The doctor said he has a bad brain. Just like, huh? I don't... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do. All right, I don't I'm know what to do. <laughs> yeah, yes. he's just like, it's just so bizarre. The, he, the things he says is no, it's just frustratingly weird. It's so confusing. Uh, according to police reports, Carl Brown walked through the building methodically and clinically shooting at people. Uh, and when I read this, I just thought about the Terminator, the first Terminator movie, was just walking through the police station. Yeah. I know exactly like, what scene mm, you're thinking of. Yep. people down nonchalantly. Yeah, it's around that time period too. Like, yeah, man, it is. So, I feel like there were so many movies that were like that. You know, just like Desperado, yeah. American XGI guy. Well, this yeah. is like right after the riots there too, or was yeah, it during the, the eighty? The, the riots were in eighty, so this is eighty two. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and for the record, Carl is white. Um, <clears throat> Carl walked into the manager's office and began firing off several rounds. One by one, he picked off employees as they were working in their cubicles. Some were shot at close range, and some of them were shot twice. He shot those who tried to run in the back, and those hiding under their desks were shot at point-blank range. Carl then shot the owner of the shop, Bob Moore, and Bob's 67-year-old mother, and Bob's uncle. While a good number of employees managed to escape with their lives, Carl cut down 11 people, including the shop's manager, secretary, a machinist, and a welder. Three of the victims that were shot did not have fatal wounds, so they faked being dead while Carl walked around the office. And until he left. Like the worst shit. The worst. So that's pretty much everybody. He got... He must have gotten everybody yeah. in there. Yeah, there's a good number that that ran off, I guess, they, I'm assuming they're closer to the doors or whatever, but the majority of them got, got clipped. Shot in one way or another. Yeah, and then three of them acted like they were dead until he left. After the massacre, with multiple people laying dead and the shot sh- shot up to hell, uh, Carl turned and walked out. According to one witness, Carl, quote, looked very passive and very nonchalant. He wasn't trying to escape. He just casually walked away, got on his bike, and rode away from the crime scene. Fucking bike. (laughs) Another witness said, quote, he got on his bike and pedaled off as if he was going for a stroll on North River Drive. Carl got on his bike and calmly began pedaling away. The shotgun he had used was slung across his chest on a strap, and in his pockets he carried live shells. So he had more bullets to use. People working in nearby shops 
had heard the shotguns and the screams, and they came out running to see what was going on. One of those people was the owner of All Florida Scrap, a man named Mark Cram. Cram was described by the Miami Herald as having, quote, a reputation as a ladies' man. <laughs> wow. Seems you gotta be you gotta be something to get that in the Herald. <laughs> yeah, and as a scrapyard guy. He's a scrapyard guy and he has a reputation as a ladies' man with a and not, not pertinent to the story, I'm guessing. <laughs> like I don't know if this turns into like a more sexual thing. <laughs> well, the description goes on as you know, as a reputation as a ladies' man with his thick, wavy, dark hair and bushy mustache, he was a dead ringer for Tom Selleck, the star of the hit television show Magnum P.I. Oh, yeah. right. So, like, the reporter wanted to fuck him or something like that. Like, this just basically excessive. No need to get into this. Dude, 11 people were gunned down in cold blood. And one witness was like, this guy is fucking hot. <laughs> <laughs> this witness who I'd love to cover in baby oil. <laughs> yeah. So insane. Stick man. to the fucking shit going on right now, man. It's pretty serious. Like, don't worry about this guy, his sex appeal and shit. Like, this fucking Jose Canseco over here. <laughs> like, it is prime Jose Canseco. I pictured myself being held by him on his yacht. <laughs> you guys heard of a Magnum PI, right? That guy looks exactly like Magnum P.I. Meanwhile, meanwhile no, he doesn't. Meanwhile, no, he doesn't. Like, not at all. But, like, she just had, like, they just had this fantasy about him. Actually, I saw a picture of him, and he kind of does look like him. Hmm. TBH. Um, Well, thanks. (laughs) Thanks, Chris, for ruining that for me. I mean, the reporter was kind of accurate. The guy looked like, I'd fuck him. I'd fuck him if I could. If I had a time machine... I'd go kill baby Hitler and then I'd go fuck Mike Cram. <laughs> Just walk straight into his office. <laughs> At all Florida scraps. <laughs> uh, so Cram, and what a name. Cram. Cram. I love him. The Cram. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Cram was standing outside his shop wondering what all the commotion was. Another man, a tall, black, and bearded man named Ernest Hammett, who worked at another nearby shop, ran up to Cram and shouted, a bunch of people just got killed at Bob's. So Cram immediately ran back into his shop, went into his office, and grabbed two thirty-eight revolvers, one for himself and one for Ernest. Damn, these guys are a full fucking bad boy shit right now. <laughs> it's fucking lethal weapon. White guy, Throwing white the guy. Gun. Yeah. Cram justice. <laughs> you got crammed. You got, you got crammed. This fucker had two thirty-eights, and it's just in his office. Just I got two thirty-eights. Yeah, just pure fucking Hialeah Miami shit right there. <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah, he grabbed these two revolvers. He, he grabbed one for himself and one for Ernest. And Cram then jumped into his Lincoln Continental, parked Tango outside. And, cash the <laughs> and Ernest climbed into the back seat, and they sped off in search of the killer. Um, after a few minutes of speeding around from block to block, 
They spotted Carl near the Miami River and the 17th Street Bridge, riding his bike I mean, at a leisurely pace. Homeboy was on a fucking bicycle. Yeah. These guys were in a... These guys were in a Lincoln Continental, baby. Lincoln Continental, eight cylinders <laughs> of fucking fury coming at you. Cram! Um, so yeah, they spotted Carl riding his bike. He was riding uh, at a very leisurely pace. And they saw they knew it was him because the shotgun was uh, flung around his, his back and chest. <clears throat> so Cram hit the gas, crammed on the gas, and he pulled up behind Carl. Carl spotted the car. From the back seat of the car, Ernest stuck his 38 out of the window. It was out of the driver's side window. Cram grabbed the gun as he was driving to help Ernest steady it. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great the, the two men said the two men would go on to claim that they fired the gun over Carl's head as a warning shot said Ernest quote I have to tell you that both our hands were on that gun and then it went off I don't okay. know whose finger was on the trigger <laughs> oh um, <my> <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing is bonkers, man. Bonkers <laughs> shit. These guys are crazy. So uh, one guy's driving around. The yeah. other one goes to aim the gun at Mr. At Brown. Yeah. At Carl. And uh, Cram grabs the gun to steady the gun yeah. for the other guy to shoot him. Right. And and they fired the gun as a warning shot. So they, they aimed above Carl's head. So they claim. So- does that remind anybody else of like the what was it twenty two Jump Street or whatever? <laughs> this is very twenty two Jump. It's twenty three Jump Street. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so here's the thing: the warning shot did not go over Carl's head. Instead, it struck him in the back. I mean, both of them are like <laughs> aiming. How is one going to be like? Okay, like. Two degrees up. No, one, yeah. one degree down. Just, just, I just want to graze. I'm like, like, how the fuck are you going to quantify that with two people holding a gun? Like, yeah, because Ernest stupid. is in the back seat and he's sticking the gun out through the driver's side. And then, you know, Cram is driving and he sees the gun. So he grabs the, I guess, the the barrel. I, I mean, he thinks he's he's steadying it for the guy. I don't know. I, I don't know why. Yeah, he just, he probably just like directed it right at his skull. Like, Cram's here is on coke. Everyone's on cocaine here. Like, <laughs> just literally every character in this yeah, fucking story yeah. is on coke. It's just. I was think, I was originally picturing it as like just hold hold it steady, boy, and squeeze the trigger slowly. No, but yeah, no, this is definitely all happening. You gotta do it this way. You gotta do it this way. Squeeze it, pull it, and, pull it. And Cram's evidently a very you know very micromanagey. Like he won't let Ernest just use the gun on his own. The gun that he gave him. It's really? my gun. Um, so yeah, they, they didn't shoot him over his head. They, they struck him in the back, but this didn't slow Carl down probably cause he was on cocaine. <laughs> Maybe. Possibly. As is everyone in this story. So bleeding, bleeding, except for Octavio. <laughs> bleeding profusely from his back and filled with rage, Carl began to pedal harder and faster. He then reached for his shotgun. At the sight of this, Cram sped up the Lincoln, swerved into the side of Carl's bike, and slammed into him. Carl's shotgun went flying into the air. Carl careened into a concrete utility pole and fell to the ground. 
There at the foot of the pole, Carl lay motionless, his leg turned awkwardly. Carl Robert Brown was dead. He was 50, 51 years old. <laughs> so. This is my favorite one so far. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, he smacked it on him, he flew just... into a pole, boom, dead. These guys are crazy <laughs> as fuck. There's some chemical imbalances going on throughout the entire... Left and right. What's, uh, what's crazy is this was our fucking childhood. This yeah. is like literally... <laughs> That's why my parents didn't let me like get out. Yeah. <laughs> I go around the street. Go yeah, right come the street. back right home. No, no, not the next street. This street. <laughs> Oh man! Like, there's so, gonna be guys with Uzis popping out any minute yeah. now. <laughs> right here, stay right so, here on the street. So Carl's bike was leaning haphazardly against the utility bowl, and a shotgun was only a few feet away. Chaos then ensued. Cops seemed to be arriving from everywhere, all over. There, the cops found two men armed with guns, standing near a dead man's body, crumpled on the ground. The police, unsure of who was the victim and who was the killer, started barking orders at Cram and Ernest. Said Cram, quote, I stood in the middle of the street waving the guns over my head so the police could see we were the good guys. <laughs> oh, no, Cram. Thank and God you're a fucking handsome son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if he's not you there, Ernest is fucking dead. Eyes. Yeah, we'd shoot the black guy, but he's too close to this handsome guy. So just everyone <laughs> went want, off. Everyone, stand down, stand down. <laughs> I said stand down. <laughs> uh, so the cops immediately handcuffed Mike Cram and Ernest Hammett, and then they drove them to the office of Dade State Attorney Janet Reno. Wow. Uh, Throwback. <laughs> It's yeah. a name most of us older folk yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> Elian. Uh, Miami-Dade homicide detective Hugo Gomez said there was probably nothing police could have done about Carl Brown, even if they knew of his emotional state. Said Detective Gomez, quote, in today's society, psychiatrists would be calling the police every hour. There were so many of these guys. I call them Twinkies. Twinkies, huh? Mm -hmm. Oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> Cops. Um, according to a New York Times article from August 24th of 82, police say Mr. Brown carrying a shotgun and 20 shells as he pedaled away from the sh uh, welding shop uh, was headed for a junior high school where he once worked con to continue the shooting spree. They said that Mr. Cram may have helped prevent more killings. Fuck um, yeah, I did, man. Yeah, no doubt. Handsome hero. Yeah. As for the welding shop, it remained closed. Uh, according to the article, the, the welding shop remained closed today, although a few people have lined up to apply for the jobs once held by the victims. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All employees for the That's welding weird. shop uh, were dead, so hey, there's positions to be filled. <clears throat> I mean, they were just climbing out of recession, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Johnny Battle, a welder. Johnny Battle. <laughs> Johnny Great. Battle, a welder, battle. A, bat, a welder who had been unemployed for two years, 
and who helped clean up Friday's mess after the shooting spree was one of the people that lined up. Said Battle, quote, Somebody's going to get one of those jobs. It might as well be me. Oh, my God. Capitalism. Gotta love it or die. (laughs) (laughs) A few months later, a man whose wife was among the victims filed lawsuits against Garcia Gun Center and the Ithaca Gun Company. Following Carl's killing spree, the Miami-Dade City Council voted 6-1 to one to require a three-day waiting period for the purchases of rifles and shotguns, as well as a gun permit. But the following month, after lobbying from gun manufacturers and sellers, the city rescinded on the ordinance. And it wouldn't be until 2018 that Florida would enact a law that required a three-day waiting period to purchase a gun. Florida still, though, does not require a permit. Um, you goddamn right we don't. As for Mike Cram and Ernest Hammett, they were both released and never charged. And given the city's Medal of Honor. <laughs> Mike was named most handsome man of the century. Yeah. <laughs> and that is the story of Carl Robert Brown. It's just, it's just one one thing through every single one of these stories is that history just keeps doing the same shit. It's all like the gun lobbies, and then they're like, "Nah, everybody can do whatever the fuck they want, and then yeah. we'll just shoot up, whatever." Or yeah, you know, just whatever. So a tragedy <laughs> like this happens, and then you they institute gun laws. Gun lobby comes in, it's gone right away. Yeah. Um, Tale as old as time. <laughs> Sources for the story: uh, Miami's criminal past uncovered by Sergio Bustos and Luisa Yanes. Uh, August twenty first, nineteen eighty two, United Press International article: Trouble Teacher Guns Down Eight by Rodney Griffith. August 21st, 1982, St. Petersburg Independent article, Miami teacher was a hater. (laughs) (laughs) When was that written? (laughs) August 21st, 1982. Really? Wow. Damn. The day after, yeah. Miami Miami teacher was a hater, yo. Got up on TikTok and... (laughs) Yo, don't, don't hate... Uh, thank God for Cram and Ernest for real. Like, if yeah. he was on the way to junior yeah. high, shit could have gotten been a lot worse than it was, and it was already horrific. Yeah, he told he told the kid that he was going to do it, and the cops believed it. So, very very much a possibility. And then Cram, Cram justice, you've been served. <laughs> Siege, and on behalf of the guys at Five Reasons Sports, I'd like to thank you for listening to our ridiculousness. You can follow the show on Twitter at FL Man Murders and on Instagram at Florida Man Murders Pod. Follow Chris on Twitter at By Chris Joseph and on Instagram at Chris Joseph 13. Give Roger a follow on Twitter at Dat Roro Kid. 
And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, OnlyFans, whatever, all at Siegeness. Do us a solid and hit that subscribe button. Give us a rating, five stars if you're feeling sassy. Leave us a comment and let us know what mysterious Florida mayhem you'd like to hear us talk about. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, steal a stranger's phone and subscribe for them. The only way this grows is with your help. Love you. Mean it. Bye. The Florida Man Murders is a five-reason sports production. Researched, written, and produced by Chris Joseph. Music by Roger Rimada. All source material can be found by visiting floridamanmurders.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, kids, only assholes murder. So, don't be an asshole.